All right, Acts chapter 28, if you will look at verse number 1. Let me read down right now to verse number 5. Leave your Bibles open, if you will. The Bible said, and when they were escaped. Now, we know that there's 276 of the they that escaped, according to the previous chapter. So when the 276 were escaped, then they knew that the island was called Melita. And the barbarous people showed us no little kindness. They were very, a very kind group of people. For they kindled a fire and received us, everyone, because of the present rain and because of the cold. And when Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and laid them on the fire, there came a viper out of the heat and fastened on his hand. And when the barbarians saw the venomous beast hang on his hand, they said among themselves, No doubt this man is a murderer whom though he hath escaped the sea, yet vengeance suffereth not to live. And he shook off the beast into the fire and felt no harm. Leave your Bibles open there for a moment. Let's pray. Father, bless your word tonight, I pray, and speak to our hearts from this text. And Lord, still in the opening days of this brand new year, maybe some of us need to do exactly what the Apostle Paul did in our text tonight. And I just want to pray, God, that you'll help us who are saved, those of us who name the name of Christ, that we may do our best in these days to live faithfully, successfully, and victorious. Victoriously for our Savior. Bless your word. Help us tonight, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I want you to look this way, if you will, and I want to put a word up on the screen this morning. And what I've done is, I, or tonight, I have actually self diagnosed myself with that word right there. I've got a terrible case of something called ophiodiaphobia. Have you got that too? Ophiodiaphobia. Now, let me tell you what the symptoms are. The symptoms, by the way, I got a bad case of it. I really do. Y'all need to pray for me because some of the symptoms are shaking, crying, heart palpitations, difficulty breathing, cardiac arrest, and death. And I got every one of those, those symptoms because of that word right there. Ophia, D-O, Phobia. Now, many of you may have that as well, and you're not even aware of it. Aren't you glad you come to church tonight? Because I've diagnosed exactly what's wrong with you tonight. Ophia, deophobia. Now, that word simply means this, the fear of snakes. How many of y'all want to join me with that? Because I've diagnosed you tonight, you are afraid of snakes. You know something, if there's one thing that I hate with a great passion, it is a snake. Maybe that's why I enjoy winter so much, because the ground gets froze, you know, and the snow falls. And at least for a little while, the snakes go away. We, uh, my little grandchildren, when they come to the house, we have a creek that runs behind our house. And we don't dare venture down there in the summertime because of snakes. But in the wintertime, we burn it up down there. We go down there, turn over rocks. We poke around in holes. We uh, jump the creek, throw rocks, have a big time because we don't have to be afraid of snakes in the summertime. I hate snakes. And that's an understatement. But tonight, I want to preach on this thought right here, the great snake story. The Great Snake Story. You know, there are some great snake stories in our Bible. 
Have you ever stopped to think about all the stories in our Bible about the subject of snakes? For instance, you only read the first couple, three chapters in the Bible till you run into the first snake story in the Bible. Genesis chapter 3, we know the story Adam and Eve, our great, 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 great grandma and grandpa in the Garden of Eden, and there they are. And the first body that the devil dwelt in here on this earth was the body, so says the Bible, of a serpent. That's right. The devil inhabited the body of a serpent. Now, I don't think, uh, if you agree, I think you'll agree with me, I don't think that the serpent at that particular time was walking or crawling around on its belly. I think at that particular time, snakes or serpents were on legs at that time. Because as a part of the curse, the Bible said when God cursed the snake or the serpent, God told that old snake upon its belly it would go for all the days of its life. But that's the first great snake story in the Bible. The devil took upon himself the body, the, the form of a serpent, and, and by do, so doing, he, he began to accuse God. He began to question God. And Eve's mind, the first thing you know, she's messed up, and Adam's messed up, and we run into the first snake story in the Bible. Have you ever thought about this? You go over another book, you have another great snake story. There's old Moses standing before Pharaoh, and he's got that rod in his hand. Boy, Moses had a hot rod, didn't he? And he had that rod in his hand. And the Bible said, as he stood before Pharaoh one day, he threw that rod down and it become a snake. And can I tell you something? The Bible said that Moses fled from it. I'd tell you what, I'd have fled from it too, buddy. If I'd have thrown a rod down and it become a serpent, I'd have run from it too. And then the Bible said, and we cast it down, the magicians of Pharaoh, Janez and Jambres. We read over the New Testament their names. They bring their rods in and throw them down, and them rods become snakes as well. But Moses' rod, Moses' snakes, eats up and consumes the snakes of old Pharaoh's magicians. What a great snake story in the Bible. There's another snake story in the Bible. Over the book of Numbers, we find the children of Israel are on their journey. They're on their way to the promised land, and they started murmuring and complaining against God. Remember the story? Man, they said to God, wish we could go back to the land of Egypt. We used to eat cucumbers and garlics and watermelons and fish. We used to eat all that freely back down the land of Egypt. Can I just stop and say, freely? Are you kidding me? You were servants down there. You were slaves down there in the land of Egypt. You toiled and labored many, many hours of the day. That was not free. That was not. Sometimes the devil wants to remind us of how good we used to have it before we got saved. Friend, I'll tell you something. You weren't free before you got saved. You were in bondage and enslaved to sin and Satan before you got saved. And the Bible said, boy, God got angry when they started murmuring against him, and he sent fiery serpents. There's snakes again. He sent them fiery serpents among them, and they began to bite the people of God. And the Bible said much. I don't know exactly how many, but I do know this. The Bible used the word much people of the land of Israel died because of the snakes that God sent among them. And then the Bible said Moses made a snake himself, a brazen serpent, a brazen snake. And he put it on a pole and he raised it up. And they went running through the camp saying, look and live. Look to the snake. Look to the brazen serpent and you can live. How many of y'all remember that story? That's a great snake story. By the way, there's a part B to that snake story. 
Because over in the book of 2 Kings chapter 18, we find the nation of Israel, many, many years after the death of Moses, they had actually saved that brazen serpent that Moses made. And for all those years, they'd carried it through the wilderness, they'd kept it with them, and then it wasn't long until they got that thing out and they started worshiping that snake. And the Bible said they even gave it a name. They called it Nehushtan. That was right. St. Kings 18, you read the story. And the Bible said that when Hezekiah became king over Judah, that he saw them worshiping that old brazen snake that Moses had made, that he took it, ground it to powder, put it in water, and made the people drink it. Amen. That's a snake story that is in the Bible. But I got to tell you, I don't think any of those snake stories eclipse the snake story that we have here in Acts chapter 28. This is the great snake story. This is even better than Brother J.T. Lyons' snake story. That's right. We read in our text here of a snake story. Here's Paul, and there are 275 other men, and they're on their way to the city of Rome. They are. And the Bible said that on their journey to the city of Rome, they come upon an island called Melita. Now, the name Melita means this. It means honey. Evidently, uh, there was a great population of bees in those areas, and this island was known for its honey. It was called Melita. The name Melita means honey. And according down in verse number 11, if you'll look down there of Acts 28, they were going to stay on this island for a period of three years. Now, I've got to tell you, this is an island that still exists today. Now, the name of it has changed a little bit. It's no longer called Melita. It is now called the island of Malta. Uh, the island of Malta has both a historical and a strategic significance because this little island of Malta, it's about 18 miles long, about 9 miles wide, a small island, but uh, it was one of the most heavily bombed islands or places in all the world during the days of World War II. So here come Paul along with 275 other men and they're on this island. Now we're told here in our text while they're there that it's cold and rainy. Look again, if you will, at verse number the Bible said, verse 2, because of the rain and because of the cold. So it's rain, it's rainy, and it's cold. And the Bible said there in verse number 2 that the people who live on this island, to show their visitors some kindness, the Bible said they've kindled a fire to kind of warm all of these people up. Well, evidently the fire starts to die down, and Paul goes out into the nearby area to pick up sticks to gather wood uh, to throw on the fire, and not even realize that he picks up one stick that has a viper wrapped around it. And as he goes to throw that stick onto the fire, not even realizing that that snake, that viper, bites, he bites the hand of the Apostle Paul. Now, I don't know exactly what kind of a viper that it was, but here is a picture of a viper that is pre prevalent in that part of the world. That is, that, that's a viper. That, now, we know about vi vipers. Verse number five, I'm sorry, verse number, uh, yeah, verse number four says it was a venomous Beast. You don't tell vipers. Here's what I read about vipers that they keep their fangs actually folded back in their mouth until they feel provoked. And when they feel provoked, their fangs kind of just drop down automatically, just like that. 
And, and the word of God, and, and they, the story told me that uh, when the victim comes by, that they strike out at that victim, seeking their fangs full of deadly poison and venom into their victim, instantly paralyzing them and then killing their own, vi- the, the, killing the victim. That they, have just vi- that they have just bitten. In fact, one of the greatest characteristics of these vipers is that they are lightning fast, and most people don't even know that they've encountered one until it's too late. So here's Paul out picking up sticks. Unbeknownst, old Paul, he picks up a stick, has a viper on it, and as he goes to lay it in the fire to keep the fire going, the viper rises up and fastens itself, a venomous beast, it fastens itself on the hands of the apostle Paul. And the Bible said down in verse number 5, he simply shook it off into the fire, and he felt no harm. Now, I said a moment ago, you and I are in the opening days of a brand new year. I think we already see, I think we do, we already understand that this year may be just as crazy as last year was. We hadn't had a good start, have we? I mean, COVID-19, even though it's not gone anywhere, it seems like it has just come back with a vengeance. And then look at what happened in our nation this week. I mean, the, our, our capital was, was, uh, was, uh, was uh, attacked by people who were angry uh, at, at, at our government officials. And, and I've never seen anything like that in my life. In all the days, I'm 58 years old now, but I've never, I can't never remember a time when people were as angry or are as angry as they are in our day. I'm telling you, the political unrest in our nation is on steroids. It's ramped up on steroids tonight. You and I, most of us in here, we feel that a great wrong has been committed, but there's not a thing in the world we can do about it. We kind of just feel help. Can I have an amen? Can I just feel helpless about it right now? Really do. And people are angry and they're frustrated. And then the economic picture going forward. Boy, they talk about man. Man, things are not going to be good going forward. There's already rumors of another shutdown. I mean, you hear all this stuff on television. I'm telling you, this year may not be any better than last year's was. But can I tell you something? If we're going to make it through another year like last year, we're going to have to shake off some things into the fire and feel no harm. So I want to talk a little bit about this snake story. Would y'all get that picture off there? It's scaring me to even be up there. Can y'all put, there we go. Oh, that, that looks, that's bad too. I want to give you three truths from this text tonight. I want you to see this tonight because some of us can meet ourselves right here in this text. Stay with me for just a moment. First of all, I'll put this down. Number one, when you're stranded, shake it off. When you find yourself stranded, shake it off. Now, when I say stranded, let me tell you, that's how Paul and those 275 other men got on this island to start with. I don't want you to get in your mind that Paul is on vacation here. He's wearing Bermuda shorts. He's sipping Kool-Aid with one of those things with a little umbrella on top of it while laying under a, 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 in, a, in, a, in a lounge chair under a palm tree while people stand there with those fans famine and he's reading the Sports Illustrated magazine. He is not a tourist. He is not a vacationer. Let me tell you something. He's a prisoner 
that has been shipwrecked. And that's the reason that he's on this island. You see, a few chapters earlier, we come to understand that old Paul has been arrested for, of all things, preaching the gospel. He has been thrown into jail, thrown into prison, because he has a great desire and a great burden to reach his own people. But you know something? As a citizen of Rome, even though he was of the nation of Israel, Paul was a citizen of Rome. And one of the privileges of the citizen of Rome was this. If you felt like an justice had been done to you, you could actually appeal your case to appear before Caesar. And that's exactly what he had done. He said, man, I'm not getting anywhere with you, you dignitaries. I want to go see Caesar. I want him to render a verdict in my case. And that's exactly what he'd done. So they put him on a ship, and he's on his way to the country of Rome, when all of a sudden, we read back in chapter 27, they come upon some stormy weather. That's right. You go back into chapter 27. Look at verse 14. The Bible said, but not long after there arose against it, against the ship, a tempestuous wind called... Eurachlodon. Now let me tell you something. This voyage starts off in a great way. Look at verse number 13. The south wind of chapter 27 is blowing softly. I mean, it's a great day. The sun's shining. The south wind has caught the, 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 uh, the, the sails of that, of that ship and it's driving along and it's beautiful weather and the wind's blowing and no doubt they're making good time when all of a sudden the Bible said not long after there grows against this boat a tempestuous wind called Eurachlodon. And let me just say this. I'm telling you, this is, this, is, this, is, this is a Category 5 hurricane they find themselves in. I mean, that word Euro means east. Clodon means rage. So what we've got here is an east wind, a storm evidently that has come out of the east and it's raised and those seas are violent and that ship is being tossed around like it is nothing more than just a cork. If you look down in verse number 20, the Bible said, for many days they didn't see the sun. I'm talking about chapter 27, verse 20. They didn't see the sun nor the stars in many days. And they're doing everything to try to keep this ship afloat. The Bible said, if you look back up in verse number 17, they're undergirding the ship. That is, they're taking ropes and they're trying to tie one rope on this side of the ship. And somehow they run it under the ship to tie it on the other side to try to tighten them boards to keep that ship afloat. They're undergirding the ship. And, and then it, when that didn't work, if you look at verse 19, they begin to throw stuff overboard. They're casting overboard the tackling of the ship. They're trying to lighten it. They're doing everything they can to keep that boat afloat because there's some stormy weather that they've encountered. But let me tell you what happened. This stormy weather, it led to a wrecked, to a ship wrecked. Because we read on over in chapter 27 that the ship ran aground. Look at chapter 27. The Bible said, verse number 28, they found it to be 15 fathoms. Verse 29, the Bible said they cast anchors out of the stern, wished for the day. They ran that old ship aground, and the waves and the, and the water beating against the sides of that ship broke that ship apart. And the Bible said those 276 men, they all floated in on broken boards and broken pieces of the ship. They made it safely to an island called Melita, but they're not there again as two or vacationists, they're there because they've been stranded on this island. Could have said it like Gilligan would say it, they're castaways. On this 
island. They're in a place they never intended on being. They're in a place that they never thought that they would wind up. But this storm blew them off course and they find themselves now in a place they did not intend on going. They are stranded. Can I tell you something? Many times in this walk of life, storms come in our life. You know, sometimes these storms come without warning. I mean, man, you didn't see it coming. It didn't appear on the radar screen of your life. There's no warning that runs across the top of the TV and those little buzzers start going off, you know, deep, deep, deep. And you think, oh my goodness, here comes a terrible storm in my life. I'm telling you, these storms come in our lives and they blow us off course. And many times, if we're not careful, they run our lives aground. And the first thing you know, the ship of our life is wrecked and we find ourselves in a place that we never intended to be. You know, I'm wondering who I may be speaking to tonight, and you're sitting here in this place, your life, a storm come in your life and blew it off course, and the first thing you know, your ship run aground, and you find yourself tonight sitting in a place you never thought you'd be, you didn't intend to be, but you find yourself stranded tonight. Can I say this? Paul knew where he was going. God had already told Paul that he was going to Rome, he already knew the destination was Rome, but God didn't tell him about being stranded. And God didn't tell him about the terrible storm. And God didn't tell him about the terrible shipwreck. All he knew was he was going to Rome. God didn't tell him what he was going to have to encounter before he got there. I'm glad tonight I can stand up here and tell you, I know where I'm going. My destination is heaven. Thank God I'm heading there. I've been washed in the blood. If you're saved, our destination, our final destination is heaven. But he doesn't tell us there may be some storms that we have to encounter along the way. There may be some times that you and I get stranded in a place that we don't want to be. We may get blown off course. We may run aground. The ship may break up. Hey, we're going to heaven. But he doesn't tell us what we're going to have to face as we journey there. And many times we find ourselves stranded at a standstill in a place we never thought that we would be. I don't know who I'm speaking to tonight. There may be some people sitting right here in this room tonight and that describes you tonight. You're stranded. You're going to heaven. You know that. But you're in a place tonight you didn't intend on stopping. You're in a place that you don't know how you got there. The winds blew you there. The ship broke apart. But you are stranded. But can I tell you this? I like what old Paul does when he found himself in a place that he never intended on being. You know something? He didn't sit down and have a pity party. He didn't sit down and pout about it. He didn't look up to heaven and start questioning God. God, why have you done this to me? Why am I here? I don't like being here. God, you're not fair. He didn't do any of that. You know what he did? He worked to be a blessing to other people when he found himself in a place he never intended on being. Amen. <laughs> okay, moving right along. Look at what he did, verse number two. The Bible said verse number three. You know what he could have done? He could have sat down like many of us, and I said us, would have done. We could have sat down just got angry about it all and bitter and started complaining and grumbling about why in the world are we in this place at this point in our life. I thought I was going to Rome, God. 
I thought you wanted me to go over and preach to Caesar. I thought you wanted me to go to be a witness. Why in the world am I over here on, Mal on the island of Melita, stranded with a bunch of barbarians over here? We're going to find out in a moment that they were wishy-washy. They were all over the place. And there was Paul, the man of God, right in the middle of all that. Why is he there? But I'm glad he didn't pout. He didn't have a pity party. Hey, he didn't jump up and down, get angry and bitter at God. He didn't quit. No siree. He didn't complain about where he was at in life. No, sir. He got busy to be a help to other people. The Bible said in our text, verse 3, he went out. He went out and started picking up sticks, laying them on the fire. You know something? Many times when we find ourselves stranded, maybe God has got us there so we can show a little kindness to people. Can I have an amen? Maybe God's brought us to that place. We're not there by accident. We've been blown there by the storms. Maybe the ship run aground and we're there, but while we're there, why don't we seek to be a blessing to others? Hey, and why don't we get out of our mind, I'm just going to quit. Hey, why don't we get the pity party out of our mind? Hey, why don't we quit pouting on God? And why don't we just say, okay, God, I don't know why I'm here, but while I am here, I'm going to do my best to be a good example of what a child of God ought to be. I'm going to help this crowd out around here just a little bit. Yes, sir. Many of us, we go to the opposite extreme of that. And we get angry and bitter at God. I say, number one, when you find yourself stranded, say it with me. Shake it off. Are you stranded tonight? Shake it off. Shake it off. Look around. You might need to pick up some sticks tonight. Keep a fire going. Amen. When you find yourself stranded, shake it off. Number two, watch this. When you find yourself backhanded, Shake it off. Now look what happens. So he's working there in verse number two and three. He's working to be a blessing. By the way, you know what Paul could have said? Paul could have looked around that crowd and said, look, I'm an apostle. I don't pick up sticks. I mean, I'm up here. I've seen the Lord on the road to Damascus. You don't understand. I'm a, I'm a spiritual superstar. I mean, I've established churches on three continents. I've wrote 14, or I will write 14 of the 27 new books of the New Testament. I don't do sticks. These hands are not dirty with manual. Don't you appreciate a guy that though he has a right to kind of elevate himself a little bit, don't you appreciate somebody that's not afraid to get his hands dirty in the work of God? Hey, don't you appreciate somebody that don't have this high lofty image or attitude about himself? He's just willing, if that's what it takes, if the fire's going to burn somebody in God's name, got to go get some sticks. And Paul didn't say, hey, you do it, buddy. I don't do sticks. Paul got out, got his hands dirty in the work of God. But the Bible said that he was backhanded while he was doing it. One of the sticks that he picked up had a viper. Now, I don't know about you, but I can easily see how this happened. You see, most people think the Apostle Paul was a little short Jewish man. He was about five foot four in stature. And most people think that Paul suffered from bad eyesight. I mean, we have some of the things that he wrote about you know, in the New Testament, it kind of lean in that direction that his eyesight was not so good. Most people think he wore thick glasses. How many of y'all remember those old Coca-Cola bottles? Maybe he had very thick glasses because he couldn't see well. I do know this. When he wrote the book of Galatians, he said this. Evidently, he had to write that himself. And he said this to those Galatian believers. You see how large a letter 
I have written unto you with my own hand. He probably had to write large letters because he couldn't see very well. And that makes me see how easily this could happen. You got a little Jewish man out. It's cold. It's rainy. The clouds are dark. They've just, they've just been washed in from the sea. They're soaking wet for crying out loud. It's cold. It's dark. The winds are blowing. And here goes this little half-blind Jewish man out in the woods to get up some sticks because he wants to keep a fire going. And he gets out there and he can't see. I can see this man being dark, maybe water on his glasses. I can see him just reach down, grab a stick, and he don't even know around that stick is coiled. Don't put it up there. It's coiled. One of them, one of them vipers. Now we know about snakes, something about snakes. Maybe Paul didn't know. Snakes are cold-blooded. Cold-blooded creatures. And that what that means is this, that their body temperature on the inside is the same as the temperature is on the outside. Now, we're warm-blooded. We're 98.6 forever, unless you get COVID. We're 98.6. If it's 20 outside or if it's 120 outside, we're supposed to be 98.6. We're warm-blooded. Snakes are cold-blooded. So if it's 46 outside, it's 46 on the inside of them. So I can see it. It's cold. It's rainy. The wind's blowing. It's dark. And because of the cold, that snake's movement, that viper's movement, is very lethargic because it's cold. His body temperature is the same as the temperature is on, on the outside. So he's slow to move. Maybe he's just wrapped himself around that stick and he's not moving at all. And here comes this little half-blind Jewish man. He's just trying to be a blessing. He's picking up sticks. And as he does so, he just picks one up, slaps it up under his arm, and it's got a crazy viper around it. By the way, can I say this? Uh, the truth of the matter is this. Uh, our, our coldness, when it's cold, it don't bother the devil. The devil likes it when we're cold. He likes a cold church. That's why when we come to church, somebody in God's name, bring a log or two with you when you come to church. Hey, we need some people to bring some sticks with them when they come to the house of God. Hey, we need some folks that'll come with some logs of praise and some sticks of joy and some testimony better to warm things up. Because I'll tell you something, friend, hear me and hear me well. He wakes snakes. And I can see old Paul pick that up. That thing's lethargic. It's cold. But the Word of God said when he went to put it on that fire, and that old snake felt the heat of that fire, it woke him up. And the Bible said that when, that old, when Paul was about to lay it on the fire, that snake woke up and boom, it attached itself, and I'm going to say this for the sake of my alliteration, to the backhand of the Apostle Paul. Now watch this. Come here. It didn't attack the captain. It didn't attack the crew. It didn't attack the convicts. It attacked the man of God as he worked to be a blessing to others. Can I tell you something? Buddy, uh, he, he, you know what he's wanting to do? He's wanting to keep the fire going. And can I tell you something? If you want to, keep, if you want to start a fire, look out. The snakes are coming. If you want to keep the fire going, anybody can come in here cold as ice. The devil's not going to bother you. 
It don't bother him when we walk in and walk out the same way and it's cold and, and, and it's icy in here. But buddy, I'll tell you something, you let a little fire come. Hey, you let the Spirit of God start moving. You let some folks start walking down the aisle, getting in the baptistry, getting saved and baptized and the church come alive, I'm telling you. Heat wakes snakes. And he's going to bite not the captain, not the crew, not the convicts, He'll come after the child of God, just like this viper did. So he fastens on Paul's hands. Now watch this, we're done. So he fastens on his hand and he hangs there. But the Word of God said this, Paul, say it with me, shook it off into the fire, and he felt no harm. Now i got to tell you something, Paul was an apostle. And God had given those apostles a special, special apostolic abilities that you and I don't have. So if I get bit by a venom, uh, by, by, by a, a viper, guess what? Call Hayworth Miller, it's over. But Paul was an apostle. And according to Mark, over in the Gospel of Mark and over in the Gospel of Luke, God had given these apostles certain abilities, and one of those, they could handle deadly serpents. And the bite of these venomous beasts wouldn't do anything to them. You know, some I got to thinking about that, but don't you hear? The Bible says the key is he shook it off. He, watch this. He didn't let it hang on. He didn't let it hang around. He didn't let it hang out. He got it off. He got it off. He could have just walked around and said, hey, hey, apostle. But even though he was an apostle, it didn't hang around. It didn't hang on. It didn't hang out. He got rid of it. Can I tell you something? Every once in a while, the devil's going to come around and backhand you. Every once in a while, the world's going to backhand you. Every once in a while, somebody you work with is going to backhand you. Every once in a while, the devil's going to do his best to slap you up, backhand you. But when that happens, don't let it hang on. Don't let it hang around. Don't let it hang out. Shake it off. Shake it off. What do you need to shake off as we start this new year? You've been hurt by somebody? Shake it off. Somebody done you wrong? Devil giving you a hard time? Biden going in the White House? Pelosi still the Speaker of the House? Right before church, my wife made an interesting observation about Pelosi. And here's what she said. If she went to hell, the devil wouldn't even want her. Interesting observation. I said, I hadn't thought about that, honey, but I'll find me a chapter and a verse for that one. Hey, shake it off. Your past bothering you? Shake it off. Your problems bothering you? Shake it off. Persecutions bothering you? Shake it off. When he was, when he was stranded, when he was backhanded, watch this, number three. When he was branded, he shook it off. And I'm done, but here's what happened. The Bible said in verse number five, when these barbarians saw this venomous beast hang on his hand, they said among themselves, now they're going to brand him. They said, we know about this guy. 
This guy is evidently a murderer. And though he has escaped the sea, and the god of the sea, false god of the sea, was Nemesis. I'm sorry, Neptune. He may have got away from Neptune, but the god of the underworld, Nemesis, snake god, got him because he's a low-down murderer. Can I tell you something? Many times as a child of God, people are going to say bad things about us. We're going to get branded sometimes. They brand old Paul as being a murderer. You know something? Your motives sometimes are going to be misunderstood. Your, your actions sometimes are going to be misinterpreted. People are going to say bad things about you. Hey, 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 hey. People are going to say bad things about you, but shake it off. Shake it off. Don't let it hang on. Don't let it hang around. Don't let it hang out. Shake it off. Get rid of it. And by the way, here's the thing that bothers me about this. Look at our text here. The Bible said he shook off the beast into the fire. They said he's a murderer. He's going to die. But then in verse 6, when, when, he, when he kept on living, they said, no, man, he ain't a murderer. He's a God. Can I tell you something about these people on this island? They're wishy-washy. They're up one minute, down one minute. One moment you're a murderer, the next minute, oh, no, man, you're a God. They're unstable. They're weak. And that makes the actions and the attitude of old Apostle Paul all the more admirable because right there he is, a bunch of convicts, a crew that cusses God, don't believe God. There he is in the midst of these fickle, barbarous people. But the Bible said that he kept on living for God in spite of all that, and he shook it off, and he felt no fire. Listen, we're hanging around in these days a bunch of wishy-washy people. They're up one minute, down the next. In one minute, out the next. Off one minute, on the next. Cold one minute, hot the next. Friend, they're wishy-washy. But I'm here to tell you, though they may be wishy-washy, they may change their mind. Here I tell you, I ain't changing my mind. I want to shake it off and go on and live for God anyway. And you do well to do the same. They're going to talk. They're going to say things about you that's not true. It's been amazing some of the things I've heard recently. But can I tell you something? Watch me. Keep on talking. You know why? I ain't here for you. And you ain't here for me. We're here for God. <laughs> Shake it off. Ain't nothing but a chihuahua anyway. <laughs> Shake it off. Branded. I'm done. Watch this. We're done. If you'll notice there in verse number 5, how he handled this crisis determined what those people thought about him. Watch this. How he reacted to this crisis determined what others thought about him. Verse 4, he's a murderer. Verse five, verse 6, he's a God because he kept on standing in the time of a crisis. And I want to tell you this. 2021 is going to be a time of crisis. But what this world, how we react to those crises, those problems that we face is going to determine what this world has to say about us. Can I have an amen? And I know I've said this before, but I promise you I mean it now. I'm done. But I dare you to find one other place in the New Testament where Paul ever talked about this snake story again. Let me tell you what he did talk about. There's another time or two he talked about that shipwreck of 27. There's another time or two he talked about that stoning in Lystra. I mean, he talked about uh, the beatings that he took. He talked about some of that. But you never find him again talking about the snake story.
You know why? When he shook it off, he has done with it. And I tell you what we need to do, bless your heart. If you've been hurt, if you've been upset, if you're stranded, backhanded, or branded, shake it off and be done with it. And just go on and live for God. Can I have an amen? That's a Sunday morning message for a Sunday night crowd. The snake story. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this great text. This